tags, no tags. What is up, good people? Welcome to a brand new episode of The Midnight Drop. I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I have a lot of things in store for you today, and that is going to be the review for Judas and the Black Messiah, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, Dominique Fishback, and directed by Shaka King. Uh, originally released in February 12, 2021, both in theaters of HBO Max. It's been a pleasure to watch this movie, and it's going to be a pleasure sharing my review with you guys. But before we begin, let's go ahead and get into the necessary house rules, housekeeping rules. If you are a fan of The Midnight Drop or if you just listen to The Midnight Drop, you can go ahead and listen to the podcast at either of the following platforms, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, iTunes Podcast, uh, www.themidnightdrop.com, here on my Instagram channel at 615 underscore chill, iHeartRadio, or soon to be YouTube in the given future. Also, if you want to go ahead and contact me with any comments, concerns, considerations, critiques, or anything like that, you can go ahead and DM me on my Instagram page at 615 underscore chill or at Jordan Cameron at Outlook.com. Plus, just to keep you guys updated with what's going on this week with the Midnight Drop, today we obviously have a review of Judas and the Black Messiah. Tomorrow we have the Chill Hour with special guest star Lance Williams, owner of We Will Studios. And also Thursday, Friday, we're going to have another movie review with the little things and a little bonus on the side for you guys. But now, with all that being said, let's go ahead and get into today's review. And I'll tell you guys right now, watching this movie uh, was very much a pleasure to watch. I had a great time, you know, kind of just diving into this film. It's been a movie that I've been really interested in since last year when it was announced. Um, really just excited to see what these actors and this director Shaka King had in store. And before I even get into this, I'll say this right now, HBO Max is a great experience. I I really felt like HBO Max was going to have something that I didn't like. And I didn't think that it was going to be better than Netflix or Hulu, but, uh, it, it really packs a punch and it, it has a great range of titles this is not a paid advertisement or me just shouting them out it's just something that i've really been feeling since i've gotten hbo max since of last week and uh it's been awesome man i'm i'm i can't wait to watch upcoming movies on this platform for the rest of this year especially with how they plan things with 2021 with the pandemic you know i think this was a really good sound planned it comes with its controversy but to me it's dope But that being said, let's go ahead and get into the movie. So what is Judas and the Black Messiah all about? Well, Judas and the Black Messiah is a film that details the events of FBI informant William O'Neill when infiltrates the Illinois Black Panther Party and is tasked with keeping tabs on their charismatic leader, Chairman Fred Hampton. Uh, William O'Neill in the beginning of the movie is characterized as a thief who, you know, does a lot of crazy things and gets himself in this trouble where he can either go to jail or he can help the FBI out and just trying to, you know, get rid of the Black Panther Party, especially Fred Hampton, 
who is characterized by people like J. Edgar Hoover as the quote unquote black messiah. Uh, this movie then goes around, talks about who Fred Hampton is, what he's all about, how did he get into this place of power in the Black Panther Party movement, and how does William O'Neill feel during these events as he's trying to side with the Black Panthers, but also trying to make sure he does his due diligence with the FBI so he doesn't go to jail for the rest of his life. And that's the entirety of the film, honestly. There's nothing too complex about it. There are some things that I would love to go into, and that's what this review is all about. And uh, let's just go in with the things that I really liked about this film at first. Uh, number one, the acting in this film is great. It's phenomenal across the board. I do have one thing I want to talk about towards the end of this episode of this podcast, but it's not going to be a big thing that deducts points. It's just something that I want to kind of discuss with you guys. But the acting in this film is awesome. I think Daniel Kaluuya uh, does a wonderful job playing as Fred Hampton. Um you know, I remember in the beginning when this movie was announced that there were some people that was apprehensive of Daniel Kaluuya being casted as Chairman Fred Hampton because of his looks, because of how he sounded. And, you know, again, we'll go into that a little bit deeper, but I felt like watching this movie, you know, all of those worries or concerns would have been washed away because he does a really good job in this film uh, evoking emotion and, and being Fred Hampton in its entire in his entirety. And I really think he really makes the scenes that he's in really glow and really uh, takes every moment uh, to its entirety. And I really love that. And besides him, I think uh, I thought that Lakeith Stanfield playing as William O'Neill, he did a wonderful job, too. I will say this in the beginning of the film, I was a little bit, you know, worried, uh, cautious about how it was going to go in. But in the scenes that really mattered where he had to invoke emotion or where he was in a crisis, he did an amazing job at that. And that just really shows how Lakeith Stanfield is one of the best African-American actors we have in the business. Uh, He's done a range of movies and TV shows uh, like Atlanta, like Get Out, uh, Sorry to bother you. And I think that in this film, he does a wonderful job again and again and again. To me, he's one of my favorite actors because he has so much range and he can, you know, he does everything he can to work on his craft. And he's just a really chill guy, man. He's just a really chill guy. Uh, Besides those two, uh, I felt like everybody else in this film did a wonderful job as well. Jesse Plemons, who plays Roy Mitchell, uh, does a fantastic job as being like the antagonist, but you learn from him more through certain scenes. Dominic Fishback was one of my favorites, who plays Deborah Johnson. Uh, you can kind of say like, the, uh, I'll say the wife, because honestly, they're going to get married. The wife of Fred Hampton. Uh, Martin Sheen plays J. Edgar Hoover, the guy that I hate so much with a passion these last couple of weeks. And uh, he does a, pretty good job in the in the time that he's given uh strangely enough little rel howry is in this movie and he plays a small role and for that small time that he's in the film he delivers I, i was not expecting him to be in this film but he really does deliver with the time that he has. And uh, also a side note, there's another actor in this film that's going to be in an upcoming movie that we're going to see later down the road. Uh, that's Jermaine Fowler, who's going to play Akeem's son in Coming to America 2. Uh, he didn't have that much to say, but I felt like he was all right. He was cool. Uh, overall, I felt like everybody was very much believable. They were pretty dope. Uh, there was also one more person here that I love the most. 
uh, that I want to kind of go ahead and give props to. It was Dominique Thorne who played Judy Harmon, who was one of the Black Panthers, one of the female Black Panthers who uh, has this character type that plays as like the strong, independent Black woman. But she's really badass in this one scene, you know, when she's fighting off the cops. I felt like she had a great acting job in this film. And, and I got to go and give props to that. So I felt like the acting in this film was wonderful. Um, the overall story of Fred Hampton's contribution to the Black Panther Party and William O'Neill playing basically Two-Face, being an FBI informant and a Black Panther Party member, I felt like they did a really good job of how they went ahead and implemented this story and told everybody about what it was about. Um, I felt like throughout this film, your Freddie Hampton really, you know, latches onto you as this guy who's like, really cool for the community. He's very smart. He's intelligent. Uh, he's charismatic and he really just gets onto you like glue and it's awesome. Uh, and also just how you like, you kind of just focus on William O'Neill's life, but not having to know too, too much. Like we see from a lot of biopics, uh, or just movies about, you know, certain figures in life where it's just, you're given this, you know, the situation that he's in and then it unfolds and it leads to the main story. And you kind of already get a sense of like what this character is all about, especially in certain scenes. If there was something that I really liked the plot is that it didn't linger too much on the history of Freddie Hampton or on certain characters or give it, it didn't give you this really long, terrible paced backstory that we see in a lot of other biopics uh if there was one thing or one movie that i compared it to or something like that would have been the tupac biopic that we had years ago that i will say it right now i hate it with a passion uh because in that tupac movie you dealt with tupac like learning from you know his childhood you know young adult life all the way to his death and it felt like you were stretching this entire life to make it into the cinematic masterpiece, which it wasn't. And uh, in this film, it's kind of like you're giving this point of history. Here's Fred Hampton. Here's William O'Neill. Here's Deborah Johnson. Here's all of these people who are in play during this, uh, you know, this timeline. Here you go. You don't need to go too much into it. And that's what I really like. The movie didn't really feel slow. It flows naturally. It doesn't do this over the top craziness, including, you know, in this one scene where you feel like it's over the top. But when you realize what the Black Panther part, Black Panther Party was all about, it's very realistic and it makes sense. Uh, it's not boring at parts and. You know, they don't go crazy with sad moments. It's more just realistic. That's what this film is. It's very much realistic and it's grounded and what it's trying to tell you, what it's trying to teach you. And uh, I thought that was the dopest part of this film. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and, and bring this part up about the film that I very much want to go ahead and just say it right now. This film made me fucking angry. It made me angry. Uh, to where I almost got to my boiling point because I was reminded of how relatable this film is of what's been going on in America these past couple of years, especially 2020 and uh, what we've been doing with right now. Um, the fact that, you know, in the movie, you're, you know, the FBI is labeling, no, no, specifically J. Edgar Hoover is telling the FBI that we're going to label not only Fred Hampton, but the Black Panther Party, a terrorist organization, because J. Edgar Hoover is afraid of the black Messiah standing up and just doing everything they can to overthrow the government. 
in which they use the excuse of communism to throw away the American government. And I just felt like after watching two documentaries, MLK slash FBI and who killed Malcolm X, to me, I'm starting to just really fucking hate this dude, J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI and the police departments that were involved in these civil rights movements. It's just this movie just adds fuel to the fire where if you've been learning on this through like a series of documentaries or books or films, you just get angrier from it. And also just knowing that how like the black Panther party, it's not, it's not a group that's crazy. It's a group that's fighting for equal rights for not only African-Americans, but for all minorities, because, you know, I'll say it right now in this film, you see Fred Hampton, you know, basically gather all these different minority groups, uh, to go ahead and get the rainbow coalition together and go ahead and just say, we're not standing for this bullshit that the police department and that the American government is setting us up to deal with. We're not doing that. And the fact that we've been dealing with this right now with black lives matter and other minority groups, uh, pushing back against law enforcement and, you know, the American government, especially when Donald Trump was in presidency, that's when you're just like, yeah, this, you you know this movie's gonna make you angry it does make you angry but it's not making you angry because it's being over the top or that it's selling you and making you super emotional it's making you angry because it's relatable relatable it's realistic and if you compare it to now it's very it's eerily similar very eerily similar to what's going on now and that's just really scary but good job on shaka king and the film for doing that speaking of shaka king i think that i have to really give him props for being a director i tried looking him up uh just on the internet to see what his previous work was and uh you know he didn't have that much work and it seems like i saw i saw this one article where it talks about he's finally integrated into hollywood and he has a lot of stuff coming up uh and i felt like this was a really good film to kind of just put a landmark on your career and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what else he has uh, for the direction that he has throughout in this entire movie. He is bringing out the emotion of all of the actors and actresses that you see in this entire plot. Um, what he brings out of Lakeith Stanfield. I mean, you can go ahead and say that's him being a great actor, but Shaka King has some importance to that. He has some, you know, he has some play into that. And then also how he was able to command the screen and have certain make you feel for certain characters you didn't think you would know how to, you would feel for uh, like one. And I'm going to go ahead and try to look him up to kind of give you, you know, if you've watched this movie on HBO max, you'll kind of see who I'm talking about. But uh, the fact that he was able to make us feel for certain characters who really didn't play a big part. Uh, I felt that that was pretty cool. And also just how he made certain scenes in the film, which is very tense and just important to us. Like the one with, uh, Roy Mitchell, like FBI agent Roy Mitchell, his other FBI friend and J. Edgar Hoover, when J. Edgar Hoover asked the question, would you ever let your daughter date a black man? Knowing that his daughter is just a baby. So it's just like, what the fuck? And I'm talking about Roy Mitchell's daughter. You know, that's what J. Edgar Hoover asked who. So, I mean, he just does a really good job with just the scenes that he does. Uh, invoking emotion and just making you feel interested in the entire film. And this film is for a two hour, a two hour and six minute runtime. You know, the, one of the things that you're worried about is that this film is going to be too long for what it's trying to talk about, what it's trying to summarize and, and, and direct you to what message is trying to 
<laughs> evoke, I guess. Uh, and we had this problem. I had this problem actually with Malcolm and Marie and it being a very long movie where it felt like it already stated its point and it was just overstaying its welcome. But in this movie, it has more to bring in to further state its point and so much more. It's very detailed. And I like that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm still trying to see who I can find uh, that really brought it out. And uh, yeah, no, here it is. Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. Terrell Hill, who played George Sams did an amazing job in this film. And what he does is, is dope. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just overall, I meant like the film just does an amazing job. The film does an amazing job and and I give it a lot of credit for what it was able to do. Uh, if there is any cons that I can say with the film in general, uh, and, and these are really just minor nitpicks. Uh, I think really, I felt kind of disappointed that we didn't get or of Dominic Thorne's character, Judy Harmon, uh, in this film. I mean, you're giving like two scenes where she really stands out. But besides that, she kind of just goes away and nothing else is really said about this character. She's kind of just pushed to the back. And uh, I felt like that sucked, but it wasn't a major thing that I can go crazy about. Um, the epilogue that's filmed is... Uh, you know, it's cool, it's effective, but I felt like it would have been more effective if we kind of just saw the aftermath of William O'Neill's downfall uh, and just kind of see how it affected the Black Panther Party and how his emotions kind of just went crazy. It probably would have added like maybe like 10 to 12 more minutes of film time. Well, of runtime, sorry, runtime. Uh, but, you know, I saw what they were trying to do. They were just trying to get quick to the point and not try to lag or, you know, lag it on and stuff like that, which I understand. Um, but those are really my, my real crazy nitpicks. Those are my, really my cons for this entire film. I think overall, I won't say it's perfect. Uh, there are some things that I can definitely change, but this movie does a really good job with stating its message, giving you a history lesson on one of the most prominent African-American figures of our time, especially in the Black Panther Party and Fred, Freddie Hampton. And, uh, I think what it does to kind of just teach you the message of just, how fucked up it was in America for civil rights, you know, groups fighting against an American government that was secretly doing everything they can to fuck us over. And and that's just something that it still grinds my gears. (laughs) Yeah. It still grinds my gears to to have that shit happen. Uh, But I guess you can kind of tell how I feel about this movie, but I want to go ahead and end this on just two things that I want to try to expand on. And the first one is just the connection between this film and the last two documentaries that I watched, which was MLK and the FBI and who killed Malcolm X. I know I haven't really gotten out of episode with who killed Malcolm X. uh, And I want to go ahead and get that soon, but I think I may do that with somebody else on the chill hour. Um, But this was a really good opportunity to kind of just get a sequential order of the civil rights era before, during, and after, and what the American government government was doing to suppress this and doing everything they can to stop, and what there was, what there was, their reaction. Oh my God! Oh, 
Sorry for that. But what their reaction was towards these people popping up. And I'll just say this right now. If you don't know who J. Edgar Hoover is, if you don't know what the FBI did to get involved or how we're in this predicament now, I mean, I implore you to watch these two documentaries and this movie if you want to get HBO Max or if you want to risk your life and go to the theater to kind of get a point of of what America was like. And uh, to me, as an African-American, as a black man who who always has to know that I'm hated because the color of my skin and the fact that there is an old white man, the head of an intelligence agency that did everything he could, even resorted to murder, murder, to basically stop a quote-unquote black messiah because of communism. He used communism to overshadow the bullshit that his whole bullshit reasoning. And it was just like, really? Are you serious? It's fucking ridiculous, man. It's like with Martin Luther King, he was jealous at the fact that he was one of the only black men to sway the president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, and later Lyndon B. Johnson, and to get a crowd going to where they understood what was going on in America and said that this shit right here in this country is wrong. That it's, you know, there's a lot of hypocriticisms. Uh, well, oh my God, I had that problem before. Hypocrisies. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hypocrisies regarding, you know, its values. And J. Edgar Hoover was just jealous, angry, and afraid of Martin Luther King. And he was also afraid of Malcolm X, but he was more radical. He was more radical and he really just wanted to stop him. And I think the whole thing that you can see between both those two, those civil rights leaders from these two documentaries is that when it comes to Martin Luther King, he was angry, but he couldn't show that anger because there was white people who were saying that he's cool because he was nonviolent. And it seems to be the case that we have to be nonviolent to at least have him listen. And sometimes, a lot of times that doesn't even work. While with Malcolm X, he can do this job swimmingly because he was radical. He was more aggressive than Martin Luther King. And there was more white people who were openly afraid and mad at what Malcolm X was doing. And he had an easier time. And I think that was the sense also with the Black Panthers, because rather than just be one person who was more radical and aggressive, it was a group of people throughout the entire nation who was being aggressive and radical in the fight for change and fight for change for African-Americans and just minorities in general. And, um, you know, the fact that he resorted to bullshit police charges, uh, stalking people, illegal wiretapping and just resorting to killing these people through legalized raids and warrant searches is just fucking ridiculous. And he's been coined as one of the greatest uh, American heroes in the country. And I'm just like, no, this guy is a villain. This guy is the embodiment of what a lot of people in politics, Donald Trump and just white supremacists act like what their thought process is. They're just terrible people who are just afraid of losing power that that want everything to be in their vision. Basically kind of like Hitler. (laughs) 
And if that gets you mad, if that gets you charged, I mean, that's my opinion. You can go ahead and we can have this debate all we want, but I don't really give a damn. I mean, after watching all this, these documentaries, these movies, reading these books, I'll tell you this right now. Fuck J. Edgar Hoover. Fuck the FBI. And that also goes to fuck you to the police departments in Chicago, New York, and in the South, because just seeing them do all this stuff and harassing black people who are just fighting for change, for equal rights and equity, Fuck you guys, too. Well, I mean, not now, because, I mean, I don't know. But before then, yeah, fuck these guys. Well, no, even now, because in the Why why, Who Killed Malcolm X documentary, you basically had the former DA of the New York Police Department say, like, I don't really care what happens, and that they were very oblivious to the entire situation of Malcolm X's assassination. So, yeah, fuck you, too. But, (laughs) I mean, that's just me airing some stuff out and kind of connecting stuff that I've been watching the last couple of weeks. But also something else that I want to talk about was also just, you know, the whole role of Freddie Hampton and how it was placed in the hands of Daniel Kaluuya. And this is something that I'll connect with another movie. And that was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. How I felt with this role given to him, Daniel Kaluuya, I felt like it was cool because he's a great actor. And he's done a lot of great movies. We've seen him in Get Out. We've seen him in Black Panther. Uh, but it's just that. Oh, and let me not forget. He was also in the, that one film. Ooh, oh, my gosh. Hold on. But no, no I'll, I'll probably bring it up later. But it's just the fact that even though I love him as an actor and he does a great job, I still feel like there is this thing that kind of just runs through my head. And it was brought up by my girlfriend. And we both kind of just agreed that this movie could have been better or more impactful if we had an actor that no one really knew about. And someone who, you know, you probably knew from like TV shows or small films, but put him in the spotlight in one of the most important roles this year in Judas and the Black Messiah. And you could have had a more impactful film that also made people you know, recognize this small actor as someone big and open the doors for more roles for that person. And uh, the reason why I connected with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is because in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Ma Rainey was played by a prominent character, Uh, you know, and I just felt like even though she was wonderful, my girlfriend brought up the fact that this movie would have been more impactful if Ma Rainey was played by someone who kind of just fit her stature more who kind of embodied her a little bit more, and that's it. Now, don't get me wrong. Viola Davis, who played Ma Rainey in that film, is a great transformative actor. She's a great method actor. You know, she can do no wrong, and I loved her in the role. But I have to agree that if we had gotten somebody that, you know, we didn't really have to do all of this makeup for or or do all of these different transformations, if we could have just had someone that kind of just fit Ma Rainey's character and, you know, giving her a little bit more screen time for it, it would have not only opened the doors for more of these black actors and actresses who are really going crazy to get the roles that these films have, but also we could have had some more impactful to where it's just like we didn't have to go for, you know, the biggest names. We just want to go for people who's going to give them 110 percent effort. Because a lot of young actors and actresses, specifically black actors and actresses, 
are going to put so much heart into having one of the best performances of their careers, even if it is one of their only movies. If you don't believe me, I mean, again, that's my opinion, and I'll just say right there, that's just how I feel. Uh, I think the one thing why we don't see it, though, is because there's a lot of risk into it. There's a lot of risk into getting young actors and actresses that we don't really know about because it can either turn out to be an amazing performance or it could turn out to be just okay or it could turn out to be a shitstorm. And that's something that I that I can agree with. And that's something that I can at least uh, understand that it's a huge risk. It's something that I told uh people when it came down to talking about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and also Judas and the Black Messiah before this review. So uh, that is something that I do understand. But again, uh, I hope we can see this and more see this type of thing in more movies where we get to see actors we really don't know about. And uh, I think it'd be awesome. But yeah, man, I mean, the kind of just this whole review, I thought that Judas and the Black Messiah was a film that does an amazing job. And even with the nitpicks that I gave it, uh, honestly, I think it's one of the best films of the year and I got to go ahead and give it a nine out of 10. Um, if I wanted to be mean, I mean, maybe like an eight and a half, but that requires me to watch the movie again. And, uh, I, I severely think that there's nothing to really take points off of this film. It, it does a great job. It, it does its job. It makes its point and, uh, and exceeds expectations. And, uh, I got to go ahead and give it to that. So yeah, man. That's about it, though, for this review. And that's about it for today's episode of The Midnight Drop. Thanks so much for tuning in to tonight's episode. Again, I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Get ready for a new episode tomorrow and also this Thursday, running another movie review and also just our special guest star, Lance Williams, to kind of just come into the building and just talk about some things regarding him and just kind of have a kind of chill hour, hence the midnight chill hour. So, like I said, if you want to go ahead and listen to this podcast and other platforms, you can go ahead and listen to it on Anchor, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, 615 underscore chill, my Instagram page, uh, www.themidnightdrop.com, Google Podcast, iTunes, and also iHeartMedia, soon to be YouTube. Also, if you want to shout me out or if you want to talk to me about comments, concerns, considerations, or critiques, you can go ahead and and just email me at jordancameronoutlook.com or... DM me on my Instagram page, 615 underscore chill. And also, if you have any other recommendations, go ahead and comment down below on the Instagram page or on any of the platforms that you go to. Your input, your support is everything that I would really love to have to grow this podcast and do a lot of great things and also look into movies that people don't really know that much about. But again, comment down below and tell me what you think about this episode and just stuff that you want to see in the future and just your opinions on this movie and other movies that you've seen before. But again, that's it, everybody. That is tonight's episode of The Midnight Drop. I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace, stay safe, and stay blessed.